You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. My name is Angie. I'm your host for today. I've got Mr. Mark Bird in the studio with me. He's with Revive Ohio. Hello. Good day, Ange. We are starting a brand new series on righteousness and love the title of this one. It's Jesus and What? And I love this. We're going to give you the backstory on why the title is that way. But first of all, let's talk about the scripture that we're going to be covering today. Yeah, the scripture today that we're going to start to look into comes from Romans 3, starting in verse 21 and going through verse 25 today. What we want to look at is what is this thing that's a really long, multiple syllable word that we throw around in church all the time? Righteousness. And what does it really mean? I mean, we've had a little bit of a discussion before we actually start this discussion right now. And it's it's important to understand what the depths of this word really mean, because I think that there's some people who have a misconception and they think that we have to continue to strive to earn righteousness. That's not the case. That's true, Angie. And, you know, in a practical application of this, as we'll get into later on, but practical application of righteousness, just think about that for a second. Pause on that. What is the practical application of righteousness? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. All right. So I'm going to be reading out of the NIV and verse... 21 starts, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Can we take just a minute and talk about who is doing the talking and who is he talking to? Can we give a little backstory about what is this scenario that's happening right now? Because I think that's going to play a lot into who he's talking to and why he's saying it like he is. Yeah. And Paul is writing this, uh, of course, a letter to the Romans. And of course, he's setting up, we'll see as we get into this in the next couple of weeks, but we'll see that Paul is setting up here, talking to Jewish people, right? And talking to people who have been raised in a mindset and a tradition of the law, right? And he's trying to say there is a difference. We have been set free from the law or Jesus has actually fulfilled the law. But what is their way of thinking? So can we go back to kind of understand how they were trained and how they were trained to think about their sin and about their righteousness as it's been in the Jewish law. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Angie, in the Old Testament system, in the Old Testament way, basically they were taught in order to please God, you have to keep this law. That's what their training was. That's what their instruction was. You have to keep the law in order to be pleasing to the Lord, right? To God. 
And so what's happening here is Paul is saying, this has been satisfied by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's sacrifice is pleasing to the Lord, and it is now being credited to us. It's being imputed, which we'll get into, to us, towards us. It's been accredited. It has been uh, assigned to us, his righteousness. So they believe that the priest has to go in and make atonement for all of their sins. There was nothing that they could do to earn this righteousness themselves. They relied on a person, a priest, who went in once a year and made atonement for their sins so that they would be forgiven before God. Correct? Correct. He was the high priest and he was the representative and he was the go-between, the liaison to God. So they could not personally go to God. Okay, so there's two things I want to hold on to while you dive into Romans. Okay. Two things. First of all, there was nothing those individuals could do to earn their own righteousness. They relied on somebody else. They relied on, here's number two, a high priest who made atonement for them. Hold on to those two thoughts right. as we dig into Romans. Yes. And so with that in mind, we have to start thinking about this, like what Paul is actually saying here to these people, right, that have been raised in this tradition, right, that are believers in Christ and are now coming alive, if you will, to what righteousness is and imputed righteousness and how that makes us and gives us access to God personally. I tend to think about if I'm in the room and I'm a Jewish person and I know what the law says and I understand all of this and we've had the same teaching for hundreds and hundreds of years and you are always taught the same teaching. It's basically what the Old Testament has, right? Yes. Now, here comes a guy who, by the way, is a Pharisee or was a right. Pharisee. So he knows the law inside and out. Paul was trained. He knew how to how to do all this. He was one of the one of those guys, the yes. Pharisees. Yes. But he is now teaching them something different. He's pushing their limits. He's expanding what they know into a whole nother thing. This has got to be a little bit confusing. And they're wondering, is this right? Is this something we should be thinking? Or is this something that we should just discard? And that's where, you know, some people did and some people didn't. (laughs) Right. And so if you think about this, what is every Jew awaiting the coming of the Messiah? Every Jew through all of these teachings, right, is still awaiting for the promise of God, which is his promise is manifested in the Messiah. Yeah. The Messiah will come and he will set us free. And that is all through the Old Testament. So they're looking at the Old Testament scriptures and waiting for this Messiah for to Messiah. come out. Right. And here we are saying, hello, and here so, he is. Yeah. And so what Paul is doing here is he's saying the Messiah has come. Jesus has come. And listen, all of these things that we learned in the Old Testament, This is what it was trying to show us. And that's a lot of Romans, I think, is is, if you keep that underlying understanding, I think it's so important for us to think that in mind, keeping that in mind and putting us, putting ourselves in those positions of how a Jew would think. Then when you hear what he's saying in Romans, it's going to make more sense to you. Absolutely. Because they knew the law through and through. And all it was is a type and shadow. So the law was pointing to Christ All through history. Yeah, the whole time. It pointed to the coming of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the came Messiah, right? And guess what it was? 
He was the fulfillment of the law. And Paul's pointing back and say, this is what the law was trying to show us. Yeah, amen. What he could do. So again, he became the high priest, which we won't get into today. No. Uh, going to Hebrews, <laughs> we're in Romans today. Okay, but. so Romans chapter three, can we break these down one verse at a time? Because there's just so much meat on the bone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need to and, pick and, all up. and really, I think Paul starts off here in verse 21, really making the initial statement that is super important. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. Okay, it's this righteousness that God was trying to tell us through the law. It has now been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This is what Paul is saying. These things, the law and the prophets, these testified of what was to come, which was the Messiah. And I feel like when it says from the law, the righteousness of God, I feel like should be capitalized because he's talking about Jesus. Right. True. Let's look at verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now, right away, the Jewish people will be like, uh, now, wait a minute, because they were trained also, right? Jews, Gentiles, there's a separation, right? right. Gentiles equaled unclean to them. Here's the other thing is... They never really operated on faith. I don't think they understood how to operate on faith. Right. They understood how to obey. Right. Or disobey. But did they understand how to take this in as faith? So I think that the first statement that's going to throw them off is that you have to have faith in Jesus Christ. They're, they're now saying, he's now saying to them, you have to have faith in somebody other than God. In their minds, this is how they're thinking, even though we know that Jesus and God are the same. But this has been a person who's given to them as a representative of God to point them to what that that promise that was fulfilled. So there's a lot in here that I can understand why they would get their, I guess, their feathers in a ruffle, I guess you might say. Absolutely. So if you think about this again, uh, going back to verse 22, this righteousness that he's talking about which is a requirement. They knew that God has a righteous requirement. Absolutely. That was the law. That much they knew. But it's given through faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. Before it was a sacrifice, now it's faith. (laughs) Yes, to all who believe. And here he concludes, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Now that's going to really make them mad. Totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Because the Jewish people, they grew up knowing that they were God's people. Now, that's a that's a pretty uh, good thing to kind of hold on to. That gives you a lot of pride in who you are. Absolutely. Even though they weren't necessarily living like they should be for God. That's a whole nother thing. But still, they believe they are the chosen ones, which they rightfully should. But now you're saying the Gentiles have the access to this Messiah you're telling. So it's one thing to say, hey, by the way, the Messiah has come. Oh, and yeah, and he's available to the Gentiles too. Now, I don't think that's going to fly. And if you think about it, Gentile equaled enemy. Yeah, to them, it was to totally them. different. Yes. Right. It's like, that's super offensive. Now you're going to tell me that I have to embrace them and they have the same opportunity 
to come to God. So can I tell you a little story from my life that kind of runs parallel to this in a ways and why I understand the Jewish position so well. I was raised as a Roman Catholic, not just a Catholic, but a Roman Catholic. And this is not to bash that faith at all, but I understood that I was a Roman Catholic, but I also understood that all of the other Protestant religions, Mm. which I didn't even know what Protestant religions were, but they were different. They were not Catholic. Like we were almost the chosen ones. That's kind of how I felt growing up, whether that was right or not. But that was my takeaway Mm -hmm. as I was growing up as a child. And so I was afraid to go to a Protestant church because I thought it was a different religion. In my mind, it was not the same. So I can put myself in the place of a Jew right, right now. And I understand completely where they're coming from because you've grown up knowing that you are in the right spot and those other people are wrong. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so now, now well, and this is the mindset that we're trying to talk about in a practical application, Angie, because how many of us are in the same boat? We're like, well, they just, they just don't know yet. You know, I've got it together. I have this figured out and I'm right. Yes. And let's be honest. We <laughs> some of us do that, right? Well, I'm right. Even more so, my denomination is right. And your right, denomination. Exactly. Well, we got to get rid of all that stuff. Yeah, we do. And I think that's what <laughs> Paul is trying to cut to the chase here because as he carries on here in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory we of God. We all need the same righteousness that Christ gave us. We all need it. Amen. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The Jews knew about redemption. Yeah, they talked about redemption a lot. Right. So they knew that concept. And Paul's saying, just realize redemption came through Jesus Christ. It came through the Messiah. So the Jews once a year had the Day of Atonement. And on that day of atonement, the sacrifices were sacrificed so that they would have all of their sins taken away and they were given righteousness. Yep. Covered up. As a matter of fact, Angie, verse 25 goes there. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Boom. Just what you just said through the shedding of his blood, which again, the Jews realized that they understood atonement. They, they sacrificed the, without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sins. Right. Okay. So they understood that. But this is to be received as this verse carries on by faith. So this is through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And again, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance. He had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. What atonement is, Angie? Atonement was a covering. So the blood covered up the sins. It didn't do away with them. It covered them up. Okay. That's the difference between atonement and full redemption, imputed righteousness, What did God say in the Old Testament? Your sins are cast as far as the east is to the west, and they will be remembered no more. Right? Atonement is just a covering. But through Jesus Christ, I don't remember those sins. It's almost like we've gotten atonement with righteousness. He not only covered them, but he wiped them away. And he is, yeah. Okay. I have to go back. So we have to take a moment and talk about this word you keep throwing around, imputed. Yeah. That's a 50 cent word. 
So let's go back to a five cent word. Okay, another, that's, that's a good idea. Another word for imputed. Yeah, so if you if you just Google the word imputed, it means assigned or accredited. What does that say to you, Angie? What does accredited say to you? Give me an example. Uh, like an accredited college. They have been given the certification, mm. the honor, or Ooh. maybe the... When somebody's given accreditation, you pretty much have gotten the stamp of approval. There you go. And it's been given to you. Now, let's talk a little bit about earning, because I don't want to get into a college, because you, you have to earn to get an accreditation. Can we talk more like, how about my... My father owned a business. My parents owned a mm, business. Okay. And as their child, that business was mine. Right. And that was given to me. I didn't have to earn it. I was just part of the family. It was imputed. It was imputed to me. So I think it's really important to understand that this imputed thing is not something we can earn. Otherwise, it would be called earned. Right. Or accomplished. But this is something that has been given to you. I think royalty is the same way. It is. You can become a king because it's been imputed on you. You've been raised to that. You are, that's, that's going to happen. You are next, right? Yes. So is that the same thing? It is. God presented Christ, again, going back to verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, and it's to be received by faith. So this imputed righteousness, this accreditation to our account is given by faith in Christ. So what did, what did we do to deserve that? What can we add? And that's the title of the talk today. What can we add to Jesus? Right. That's going to better our position. The title, like once, you, once you've been given that accreditation, what can you add to it? No. Exactly. Jesus and what gives you righteousness. Exactly That's right. basically where we got the title from. Yeah. Jesus plus what? Yeah. So Nothing. righteousness means right standing Amen. with God. Amen. Once you've achieved right standing with God, what more do you need? Jesus plus what? Right. And that's where we're really going in the practical sense of, okay, what are we really trying to achieve here? Right. In a practical sense, we're trying to receive right standing with God. Oh, man. You can't earn it. No, you can't earn it. And that goes back to those two things I told you to hold on to. The Jews could not do anything to earn their own righteousness. Right. And they had to rely on something else. This is a place where we need to stop. I'm right. sorry to say that we need to stop <laughs> until next week. But we are going to pick it up right where we left off. So if you want to dig in in this week into Romans chapter three, starting in verse 21, I think we're going to be down into 29 or 30 or somewhere by the time we're done with this, but right. at least dig in. And I think it's really beneficial if you dig into how the Jews were, how their sacrifices were set up and, and kind of dig into the Old Testament. That's the basis for all of this. And it is. It'll really help to grow your understanding. So let's go ahead and get right to our testimony. All right, this is uh, Mark Bird from Revive Ohio, and today I am super excited to have in the studio with us Pastor Nathan Branham. This man has been a huge blessing to me. He's been a huge blessing to what God is doing in Allen County, and uh, still to this day continues to be a proponent for Revive and seeing the gospel go forth. Pastor Nathan, welcome to the show today. Mark, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and and so I'm excited because I am into the 
middle of a topic that I think is going to be real super encouraging to the listeners today and also just a real teaching time today because as we know that uh, many times we can get caught up in things, right? There are even things of God per se, but sometimes we get caught up and get distracted by them. Things of God that make us even sometimes more heavenly minded than we ought to, that we're no earthly good. And I love this today for our time together, Pastor Nathan, because I think you can speak to this. Yeah. Well, you know, Mark, coming from a Christian family, my dad left us when I was 14. And for two years, my life spiraled out of control. And so coming to Jesus in a broken condition, I had nothing to offer him. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all broken his law. What do we have to offer him but our brokenness? Mm. So we, we have nothing to earn. We have no, no capital that we can bring to God. But because of his grace and because of the work of Christ, we can come to him. So it's glorious. And so my testimony is that he found this broken mess of a teenager that was wasted on drugs and alcohol, was fatherless, essentially. Mm. And he breathed life into me. He literally breathed life into me. I feel that I was on the verge of death. Just a real quick backstory. Uh, when my dad left us, I started smoking and drinking. That was my, my recourse. I went into drugs. Uh, it, it, it destroyed my life in a very short time. Two years, I felt like I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, mm. about ready to die. I believe if I hadn't given my life to Jesus on September 6, 1994, my grandmother's living room, wow. I believe I would, have, I would have been right at this moment in hell. Mm. It was that serious. But when I came to him, he received me. He didn't ask me what I had. He just took what I gave him and he transformed my life. And I think his grace is revealed in the fact that from that day, I still have nothing to offer him, <laughs> but, but just myself. And he continues to show me grace. So and part of that is you, you just kind of let in here is that it is so easy to get distracted. And in fact, two years after I got saved, brother, because I just misunderstood the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, we are not naturally disposed to receive grace. Right. We want to earn. We're raised, earn, reward, work, reward. Wow. We're not naturally positioned to receive grace until God really breathes that into us. And so two years after I got saved, my senior year of high school, I backslid and backslid hard because I was trying to balance this whole Jesus and what else or oh, Jesus yeah. and, right? And, and it was, it was so daunting to me. I thought I was a failure mm. and I left him not because I wanted to, but because I thought he was resisting me for my failure mm. and brother, he was not. And so by his grace, he's such a good father. He's such a good shepherd. I strayed from the 99, even though I had a significant call in my life, even though I had done things for Christ in, in just since I got saved. Two short years after that, I'd been doing a lot for Jesus, but backslid because I, I misunderstood that it was Jesus plus nothing. That is excellent. And I'm sitting there wondering if I'm a listener right now and I'm listening to this story and I go, yeah, but because I know how it is. I know how easy it is to get skeptical. Right. I do personally. And I'm sitting there listening to this and I'm thinking, yeah, but, you know, you're an exception, Pastor. Because you just mentioned it. Well, because you have this significant call on your life, Pastor. Now, what you experience is just an exception, right? Is that true? Negative. Not at all. In fact, this is where, and I'm going to preach to myself because I am so negligent to overlook the miracle that right. is faith. 
Faith is a miracle. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ right now, if you're born again, right. the miracle of miracles has happened in your life and you, you are blessed beyond measure. Yeah. It, is, it is not an exception. Everyone who's saved has a significant call. And, and now listen, I know this just as well if you know you're playing the devil's advocate here i know what it is to diminish and to say that the call i have is less than somebody else i know that whole mind game right i'm just saying that if god came to rescue me after he gloriously saved me hmm. he wants to reach out and rescue you don't disqualify yourself don't let satan lie to you receive the truth you've got to believe it that God so loved you. And now that you're saved, even if you've messed up, here's the glory of That's Romans it. 5. Now that we are saved, now that we're reconciled, how much more? Yes. I, you know, I look at my life and say, man, I, I had a lot. I had to receive a lot of grace when I got saved. Brother, we need much more after we're saved. Amen. And he promised it. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to throw a little wrench in the giddy up because myself included a little bit of my testimony and of people that I'm very closely associated with still have this deal. We have been saved for many years and for the longest time, I'm telling you, Nathan, I did not. I did everything that I was supposed to do as a Christian. I went to church and I served and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I was not living the life that I should be. And I remember going to my pastor one time and going, why does it feel like I am sitting behind the red rope watching the banquet and I'm not allowed to go in? And, and I understand now I wasn't living the life that I was supposed to. But what changed things for me was that I realized that and I heard somebody it was it was Chip Ingram. He mm -hmm. said, God's not waiting to knock your knees out. Wow. He's not waiting around the corner to knock you in the knees and knock you down. That's not who he is. And he said, your faith depends on how much you believe that God is for you and not against you. And I didn't, I thought God was complete. I, I grew up Roman Catholic. There was a lot of against, you know, that I, that I understood as a child. And so when I finally started believing that God was for me and not against me, that's when things started to change. So when you sit there and you say, you had nothing to bring to him. Oh my gosh, that's hits home because I had nothing. I was, I think in the negative and I was still trying to live a life for him, but it wasn't evident in my life, obviously, but I was still living that way. But I started to say, okay, he loves me. And that's what changed everything. I don't even understand the steps after that, but I understood that he loved me and I wanted to live right. And then things started to change until I mean, I'm totally in a completely different place. Does that make any sense? No, it makes complete sense. I, th I think we've got to balance this view of God. You, you see Jesus, who is the multifaceted jewel of the divine in the scriptures, and you see him as father, you see him as Lord, you see him as shepherd, you see him as lion. And, and what I hear you describing is that God is, he was balancing out your view between the stick and the carrot, if you will. You have that old adage, right? You either exactly. can be drawn with the carrot or be smacked with the stick, right? Mm. And I just see a loving hand of the father dangling a carrot, not teasing you, but it's an analogy, holding it out there and saying, look at what you could have, could have. And he creates that hunger. And I find that in Song of Solomon, chapter one and verse two, one of my favorite verses being a former addict, it said, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Your love is better than wine. If you draw us, we'll come. That was the other picture. That was the second picture. The first one was the banquet. The second one was the carrot that was always out in front of me. Yeah. I've never thought of it that way, though. Yeah. I always thought I was being teased. 
Hmm. But I never sure. thought of it as there's something out there that I should go after. Oh, my God. Well, you know, and, and, <laughs> yeah, and you know, right. again, here, you know, I think we always have to, to, to kind of level out our, our cynicism. I think yeah. it's easy to get that way. And oh, it's, yeah. all, it's all about perspective. People do think God is teasing us, but let's let's not make no mistake. God does occasionally hide things so mm. that we will pursue. Right. Yeah. God, listen, God is the best parent out there. He has the best lessons and parentage that there are. And so just like you tell your kid, hey. If you clean your room, I'll take you to Chuck E. Cheese. Guess what's going to happen? That kid's going to clean his room. <laughs> Our father is a father because he's a father. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and he's the best. And so, what, whereas you may say, well, he was teasing me. No, he's being a good parent. He's saying, listen, I've got this gift. Come on and get it. That's it. And I'm- listen, if we're not bright enough, real quick, if we're not bright enough, and, and listen, I, I'm the first one to say I'm not the brightest bulb in the box of Christianity. <laughs> there are times he's had to put the strap to my rear end. Thank God. Yes. Amen. I am who I am because yeah. he strapped my rear. And I pray I'm, I'm a parent now of three. I pray that I have balanced equally the carrot and the stick to raise my kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Mm. And so that they'll reflect the character of Christ. And recently someone said to me, I kept saying, saying, I feel like God is being quiet. And they reminded me that when there's quietness that he wants me to seek deeper to find him. So he's not hiding from me. He's just going, taking me to a deeper place. And I, it totally changed the way I looked at it. And I love that, but I'm going to go back to my original point, which is, you know, I've already (laughs) gone so far, but my original point was there are people who are Christians, but they still every day beat themselves up because they just don't feel like they can get life, quote unquote, right. Yeah. Here again, I think God has a way of causing us to pursue. I don't believe that God is into having us march around the desert, Israel reference, for 40 years. God does not want that. Mm -hmm. And so anyone that feels like they've been in the desert for a long time, Here's what I think they they need to get a radical grip on. Ready? It's not works. It's not reward. It's grace. Mm. They need to pursue his grace like they never have before. And I think sometimes we use excuses to mask things that maybe we we just were upset or disgruntled about and, and we're really not pursuing. But I guarantee you this. No one has ever called upon the name of the Lord and been ashamed. No one. Exactly. God is true to his word. And listen, you may feel dry. You may feel resisted. Can I just use one beautiful illustration of this to show you how wonderful Jesus is? Do you remember the Samaritan woman that came? Her daughter was demon possessed. Yep. Yep. The disciples come and, and you've got to think contextually backstory of how women were viewed in those days. They, they weren't the top of the chain, no. right? The women were not. That, we just know that culturally. Woman comes, she has issues. The disciples come and they say, Lord, get this woman away from us. She's bothering us. She comes to him and says, Lord, my case is as desperate as you could find. He says, it's not right for me to give That's right. the children's bread to the dogs. That's right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see what Jesus <laughs> just called her? Yeah. A dog. But sister, it didn't deter her. Do you know what it did? It caused her to sink down with her teeth of faith like she never had before. Right. And Jesus said, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. It invigorated him and it enlivened him. It made Jesus, the son of God, the God of the universe, happy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that's Amen. powerful. That's when things happen. That's when things happen. And that's what we're looking for. 
You want things to happen, right? Get that desperate. So one point I wanted to go back to, I wanted to ask this question because again, I'm I'm thinking about this from the eyes of a, or the ears from a cynical listener, right? Because many of us get cynical at times. Now we don't talk about that a lot, do we? But it's true. I just did. Yeah, I know you did. And I thank you for that. (laughs) But think about this, Pastor. So, okay, I'm sitting there and I'm listening. I'm going to, okay. But God's not interested in my junk. What about people that think that? Like, because I know this. God's not interested in my junk, is he? You know, my testimony is is an old Southern gospel song. And I'll save you. I'll save you my singing, but I will tell you the lyrics. And that is something beautiful, something good. Mm. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. Do you realize, Mark, it's exactly the opposite of what you just said. What does Isaiah tell us? He gives you beauty for ashes. Yes. What do you think a diamond's made out of? Pressurized ashes. Right on. And you are, we're told in second Corinthians or it's first, you have to check me on it. I think first Corinthians, it says that he takes the ignoramuses. Mm. That's me. I qualify. Amen. He takes the, the foolish things yes. of the earth to confound the wise. It's Amen. a beautiful thing. All you've got to do is just taste and see. That's it. Just taste and see. Just try him and see if he's good. It's like Baskin Robbins. You got 31 flavors. Go and see which one. Listen, you will not be disappointed. I, I want to tell you from a guy that had tasted so much, even in the short 16 years that I live without him, I had tasted so much of the what the world had to offer. LSD, marijuana, alcohol, sex, cigarettes. I, I tasted it. Yeah. And I just... I could not be more honest to say that Jesus is what I was looking for. He was the flavor that completed my life. So would you say that God takes trade-ins? <laughs> he takes trade-ins and he trades you up, baby. He does every time. It's always an upgrade. He is always an upgrade giving God. So listen, I really appreciate it, Pastor. And uh, for time's sake, we're going to have to continue on with this. But I really appreciate you coming and joining us and sharing your heart today. And I think that there's even people out there that are cynical listening today that have hope because that's what we're trying to bring today is hope that, yes, God wants to use you in whatever state you're in now, as long as you're surrendered to him. Amen. Thanks, Mark. This is Mark Bird. You've been listening to Time to Revive on Shine FM. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. We're community supported Shine FM.